everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing in life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can learn more about Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Uh, we're going to be having the, the dynamic Damon Swade in to teach a, I think it's a two-day workshop on story. You're going to want to be a part of that. It's going to be a limited number of people can attend in person, and the rest can be virtual. Check it out, pnwa.org. You won't regret it. I uh, had a fascinating conversation with today's guests, uh, Becky Charles, and she's a debut novelist. She is also a uh, TV film uh, development executive at the production company Sunday Night. She's a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania and now lives in New York City. She's a quadruplet and married to her high school sweetheart, who's also an identical twin, and whose family spent summers on Fire Island for more than three decades. Kismet is her first novel. Uh, the book takes place on Fire Island. It's about twins and high school sweethearts, there's a lot of crossover, but we had a great conversation about sort of how working in television and film prepared her for novel writing and and a little bit about being one of four quadruplets and kismet itself and how happy she is to have written her first novel. Really great person, Becky is, and it was a fun conversation and I'm glad I get to share it with you now. Enjoy. Well, we've got debut author Becky Chalzen on the show. Becky, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Thanks so much I'm, for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, you got to be feeling pretty good. You got your debut novel, like I said, Kismet came out. We said, I was just checking with you, it was April 18th, you said? April 18th. Yes, it's out in the world. Yeah, so this baby got popped about three <laughs> weeks ago. And, yes. you know, so... You know, you you work in television, yeah, yes. still. Yes, I work in development, film, TV development at a production company. Okay. Lots of reading. Lots of reading. Scripts. Oh, so you yeah. read scripts. Yes, I read scripts and I read books. A lot of books for book scouting for film, oh. TV development, um, oh. scripts, pitches, always sort of been very involved in that. All, everything that happens before they get to set, basically, that sort of process. Interesting. I once worked as a intern for Roger Corman's Concord Films. Roger Corman was the king of the B-movie. Yeah. And I read scripts. So I was reading, reading the scripts that Coverage. he didn't want to make, if you can yeah. imagine. That's so funny. Yeah, that was, wild. That was intense. They were some, it was some beginning level writing being sent our way. But okay, yep. but the reason I mention it, <laughs> Becky, is uh, be, even though it's very different and, and your job is very different than writing novels, you are a part of, putting something out into the world. You are familiar with it. So so how does the experience in your work, working at a production company, which acquires and produces things, and then as I assume you at some point turn on Netflix or something and there's a thing you you were a part totally. of. How does that compare to the novel? Do they, did one prepare you for the other? Yeah, that's so funny. I, I thought because I had worked in film and development and production first that I would have a lot more 
thick skin about the book coming out and that I wouldn't care. And I've seen, you know, our producers um, reading reviews and sort of handling it so tough. And I thought I would be the same way for the book. And I, my agents were like, don't check Goodreads, don't check Goodreads. I can handle it. I worked in Hollywood. Like people screamed at me all day long. And no, there is something so vulnerable and different about the publishing experience. I think probably because in film and television, there's just more hands involved and the shows a lot that we work on are either IPs or there is a huge crew and there's, you know, my name will be on it, but at the end of the credits, along with hundreds and hundreds of other people, whereas in the books, it's just your own name on the cover, no matter, no matter what. And it's very strange and it feels very, my debut novel is very um, personal to me. Like it's 100% fiction, but inspired by places I love and, I, the names are people that I love and some of the characteristics of the characters are similar to my own. And so it's been a very strange feeling of having people uh, sort of feel like they had a conversation with me that I wasn't a part of. See, after uh, read I love that. See, this is here. I'm going to, now I'm going to give you, you don't need it, but I'm going to give you advice anyway, but, but how to, yeah, my person, my take on it, I want which is it that all. I am firm believer that book writers should stop reading reviews of any kind, theirs or other people's even, because it yeah. puts you in a headspace you don't want to be in. And my wife, who's also writes, she said it perfectly. She said, a review is someone's description of an experience. It's got Ooh. nothing to do with, right? So it's like, they had this experience. What, what did they eat that day? What have yeah. they lived? Who they talk what, to? You know, what do they care about? What are they frustrated by? And it's got nothing. And even when they love your book, Becky, it's got nothing to do with you even then. That's the weird part. You can't really say because it's so much about them. So I would just say, stay away from it. It's, you know, it's beautiful. No good will come of it. Yeah, because it's such a personal experience in the consumption, which is the whole point. Like it goes from sort of being this like art form and like a very cathartic process for the author and so then you're right, something that either people are coming to for escapism or their own enjoyment on a rainy day or a sunny day. Yeah. And you really can't, you can't control that. I, I've always, for the ever since I started working in film and even before, so I've been at this company for five years. Before that, I worked at WME, which is a talent agency, and I was in the oh. book to film department in LA. Oh, okay. oh all and right. It was really, really fun. Um, but I've always sort of been involved in a creative field and from early on my bosses were like you very careful about like giving that oh of course having like constructive feedback on scripts of our projects but when it comes to watching the movies like we never say a negative thing about really if we can help it about other art forms because when you're making a movie and you see how many hundreds of people put hundreds of hours into this and nothing is made easily And, and I feel like I've taken that to heart especially with books now too where I've when that, you know, it's sometimes it just, you just want to be like, it's so hard. People well, spend so much time well, on course. this. Like, think about it that way, you know. It takes so much time and attention and caring to make something that doesn't work. Like, the, yeah. the, the, or that yeah. I might hate. I've watched things and I'm thought, God, I wish this thing weren't made, but look at all the care these people, yeah. they wanted to make it. And I can't sit there and say, don't make it. You know, yeah. it's, I just can't. Exactly I don't know how it. critics do it. I don't know how they for a living. <laughs> I know. All right. So, but you, you, you are, you're in the um, film, you're in the development part. So you read scripts and, and books and, and, and do you, um, do you have a feeling for what, like, what can be translated into the screen? Cause it's a, the screen is a different medium 
really right. different medium than the page. And so yeah. is there certain things you're looking for in that? We always look for interesting characters and people that yeah. you can kind of plop out and then put into a new world. Um, we, I had an author friend once tell me that her agent actually had phrased that to her, that when they option your book, they're not optioning your book. They're just optioning your characters and right. where they put them. Because for us too, when we look at projects, it's really with an eye towards what you can add by telling it on the screen. We sort of avert any one-to-one strict adaptation is frankly a little right. less interesting to us because we're, you know, if it exists as a book and it's an amazing book, then then it's a great book. Like why does it need to be a movie or a TV show? And so we ask ourselves, what are things that either are maybe sense in the book that you can't, you could only heighten on screen or an, a kernel you can take from something and turn it on its ear or show us a new world right. or play with time in some way, or frankly have fun with it. And that's why I love having my hands in both the film TV process, the book to film process. And then also in publishing, like I, my book, we, haven't sold the film rights yet. I always you will. Like, you will. You will. No, I think I know what I loved writing about it was that I didn't want it. I didn't think about it as a movie or right. a TV show, and I thought about it just as a book. And I think when people try to write books with an eye towards film, sometimes you lose the heart of what make. Like, you know, you have to write the book first. And so this I thing, use diary entries, which are not good things for film and TV terrible. development. Yeah, and also <laughs> I like I, flashbacks. <laughs> I remember I I did sketch comedy in theater and I was writing it and performing it. And then I went, I thought I'd be a Hollywood guy. And so I started writing screenplays. And the first thing I realized is, oh, dialogue in a screenplay and dialogue in a play. Oh, you have to cut out like 90% of what- It's crazy. And then you can go back to fiction. And if you want to let them talk, you can let them talk in fiction. Like, I mean, as long as it's served, but you can certainly let them talk and you can do interior stuff. You can do so much. Whereas in like movies, just show me, show me, show me, show me, shut up and show me. Right. I was just having that conversation with some, I, I meet with a lot of screenwriters for work and I'll talk to them about writing the books. And, and I am always so in awe of screenwriters because of that real focus on attention to word choice. And you can't really play around. And it's much harder, I think, to find things on the page in screenwriting than it is in books. But another producer had asked me like, if I read books or scripts faster and I can read books, especially for work, when we're sort of skimming just to see if yeah. it's something that we'd be interested in adapting so much faster. But in screenplay, it's by definition, like you can't really skim because every word is so important. And if you yeah. miss one sentence, if it's yeah. well written, then, you know, everything sort of hinges on the next part. And so um, I had fun writing the book because I was able to sort of take up space in a way that are a lot of our feature projects don't always aren't always always able to do. That's great. Okay, so enough about television. We're going to talk yeah, about books. We talk about books. And so you go and you're look. So a couple things. You're you you graduated from UPenn in like English and history or something. Yes. Right. Okay. So you're you're a girl. You've been reading. You're you had your nose in a book when you were young. Probably. Always, always. Right. Okay. Definitely. Right. So you get to read for a living now. That's great. And so, but were you always interested in telling stories, or did that come a little later? Yeah. And the answer is no. I never, ever thought of myself as a writer other than a good email or a good college application essay. My sisters and I wrote all my sisters' college essays. And I always loved, um, like, yeah, school papers. But I really thought that was the it. Um, My older brother is a screenwriter. So we have one older brother and then my sisters and I are quadruplets and all girls. And so it's been a very strange. Right. So I I just want to pause there. (laughs) <laughs> for our listeners, we're going to talk about this, but she is one of, I think I dreamt about you in a way, knowing this interview, because I had a dream. We're in it last night. So Becky is a one of four. She's a quadruplet. 
I had a dream where a woman had 18 children. Oh she gave my birth God. In one shot to 18 children. And so I must have been preparing myself for you. Okay. So you are one of four. I and have you're... to laugh at that because my husband is an identical twin. And yes. we just turned 30. And we're like beginning to talk about, like, oh, like, should we have kids? Like, do we want a family? And we're so afraid that we'll have eight Boom, children. You're <laughs> explode. It's like some it's kind of exponential. Risk. We have to be so ready because it's one or it's 20. And like, wow. <laughs> we're not going to know. Okay. So. So your old your older oh, brother. Oh yeah. So my older brother is a writer. He's a screenwriter. He, he was a he's a screenwriter, and he always wanted to write. Like he had the poster boards in his room with note cards and story ideas, and was making plays right. for us to act in. And I never felt like I had that itch. I uh, loved always development and like helping other people tell their story. In college, I loved I loved my screenwriting class that I took because I loved the like round table exercise of, oh. of seeing what somebody wanted to do, but being able to help them get there and sort of wow. being able to look at something wow. from a new way. Okay. Um, so that's why I quickly knew I wanted to work in development. And then it wasn't until COVID that I decided to write a book because I had this fr free time. We were very privileged that we, uh, my husband and I both had stable jobs and we weren't immunocompromised and we weren't, right. you know, essential workers. We just were home. And yeah. he had by chance in May, 2020, started this Saturday MBA program at Columbia. It was always was his plan to start this in May, 2020, based on when like his GMAT score expired, like our whole life was okay. like, Zach will go to business school on Saturdays in May, 2020. And then of course it was COVID. So his classes were remote. And so he was home from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on his computer on Saturdays. And by June, I was like, I could use this time to either be like, A, I was like, maybe I'll get my MBA and take his classes. And I I listened to like 11 minutes of statistics. It's like, I have to get out of here. That was not for me. And then I was like, I could, you know, in development, there's always more scripts to read, always books to, scout, to flag and scout for the team. But I was like, I could maybe use this time to try and write my own book and just see what it would feel like and if I would enjoy it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And, but where did yeah. that, but there, there had to have been a notion before I know. That. Right. I know. It's like, it's so funny because when you think about it, I, my old boss at WME, her name was Jennifer Rudolph Wall. She's an amazing book agent. And she has these, all these theories of like the breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs of your life and looking backwards yeah. and finding points of purpose. And I've been doing a lot of reflection as the book has come out. And there's a few moments where, you know, like I took a screenwriting class my senior year in college because I knew I wanted to work in film and everybody had to write like a short film sure. together and I I love like group work projects and so I actually won like the best screenplay award in wow. the class for this like short film I wrote and my teacher at the time I had already accepted a job at WME when I graduated for when I graduated uh thinking I would be actually like a book to film agent sure and my teacher was like Becky like you shouldn't be at the agency like you should be the client like you should be the writer that they're uh, representing oh, so, I was like right. crazy like I never gonna write like that's just so I just didn't see myself being on that side of the equation and then I think there is something too that I always flag is because I've always worked I've always read early drafts of manuscripts for work like when you mm -hmm. read for film you read basically before the editor reads it, you read it right as it's sold. Oh, oh okay. and so I never. I think I was less intimidated because I don't read only the very like fancy finished projects that you get at a bookstore. Like I, so read you're used to seeing typos and yeah, sort of the like Word that. document essentially. Yes, exactly. The Word doc wow. always. I read a lot of very first drafts, 
And a lot of first drafts of screenplays and you see the behind the scenes of like, it never, it doesn't have to be perfect those first couple of times. It just needs um, to be the idea. And so I think because I was less intimidated, was very familiar with the process. I have friends who are writers and are publishing agents. And so I sort of knew the language that I, I think a lot of the barriers to entry that a, a lot of people rightfully have or could feel intimidated by, I just luckily because of the career path I had chosen, um, didn't have and didn't quite feel so intimidated oh, so by. And so I just jumped in and then I loved it. And now it's the issues that I love writing also. Oh, and I've yes. discovered this whole second job and you're like, no, this is I'm good. Going? It's nice. Cause you have a job that you can keep working. I always tell my totally. clients, I coach clients. I'm like, don't quit the day job just yet. Yeah. You know, but right. let yourself, cause you don't want to kill the dream. You have nice. You have a husband who can, or a partner oh, yes. provide something to us so a little back and forth, but this is, totally. this is great. But you start writing. And so you, but you draw upon your own life because so you're quadruplet, yeah. one of a quadruplet. Your husband is one of twins, and you married yeah. each other. And so the and and your, so your characters said, "I'm going to make them." I don't know if you chose this. I don't know if if it was like you just started writing and said, "Oh, it turns out she's a twin." But what the female? She's a triplet, right? And the girl in the in the book, Kismet, is that she's a twin. And at she's first, I thought I right. tried to write quadruplets because right. I was like, "Oh, write what you know." Sure. And it was so many characters, so I cut them back down, made them twins instead. Yeah. But I did make Amy as the main character in Kismet, and I had her. She's married to her high school sweetheart Ben, and in real life, I am also married to my high school okay. sweetheart so, Zach. And so I picked and ch chose little details from life yep. that I felt like I could sort of speak to, and that, yep. and the in Kismet too, I really wanted to tell this story about what happens after you fall in love for me like my husband and i fell in love when we were 18 years old like seniors yep. in high school and so everything that came from there was a, a lot of communication and a lot of really you know seeing new opportunities and actively choosing to stay together to grow together between zach and my sisters we've all we're so different now at 30 than we were at 21 oh, yeah. i hope but we've so been, we've stayed best right <laughs> exactly <laughs> even when we look around we're like we like aged aged well but we laugh because it's you know it's rare i think to be able to grow with so many people all at the same time and still stay so close and we yeah. do that through communication and through really prioritizing our relationships and so it's been um sort of wonderful to explore that in a novel and show these characters who have strange very long-term very inherent relationships yeah. but the doubts that still can come and the challenges that can still come and i wanted to explore that in, in a, a romance novel that was maybe a little less expect in a less expected way yeah well and so so you knew you wanted to be, have romantic elements to it you didn't want to write a suspense you don't want to write science yeah. i mean there's so many different things you can write you know of course. i know i actually started writing a thriller that was the yeah. first project i started working on in like may 2020 and it was so hard. I was so yeah. depressed while I was working yeah. on it because I'd work oh. during the week and then it was COVID and the world was already uncertain. And then I would work on this like dark, culty thriller and it was so not working. And I, all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't until June, 2020, when we are going actually to Fire Island, the book is called Kismet because of I can't the believe it's set on Fire place. Island because I grew Fire up wow. near, not That's on fun. Fire, but I knew a Fire Island and it had a very oh particular gosh. reputation. It had nothing to do with twins getting married. I know. Really so, specific. 
that's so funny. Fire Island is so big and there's 17 okay. different towns. And so ah, the Pines okay. ha- is a very popular town. And that's like the Bo and Yang movie that came out last year called Fire Island is set in that town. There's a, there's a bunch of ocean beaches, one town where a lot of like postgrads go and just party and Kismet okay. is much more family oriented. And it's a lot <laughs> of um, just, and my husband's family has my in-laws have had a house there for like 25 years. His parents met in Fire Island when they were kids and like young and in love. And it was, it's really a magical place. And so I've been going luckily for like over 12 years with my husband. And so I knew that summer I had been working on this thriller, trying to write a book, struggling to, you know, figure out this dark twisted story idea. And then we were on the ferry the best part about fire island is that you can only get there by taking a ferry sure, so there's no sure. cars and so the rule it feels like a different um just no nope, it doesn't have a car ferry it's no just, no car ferry so it's just no bikes ferries, and people walking bikes, around bikes and yeah, bikes and everyone's in a bikini and just like wow, walking around I didn't know that. There's, okay it's the, that's what makes it so magical and it's very small the whole town is maybe five blocks and the from oh, the bay God. where the ferry gets in and then the ocean and so there's all these different there's houses, there's restaurants, the bands come, they take the ferry out and they play on Saturday nights. And there's wow. just, there's something so magical to it. And so when we were on the ferry, June, 2020, the first page of Kismet sort of like popped in my head and I realized like, oh, okay, this is the book and it's a family drama and it's a love story. And it's about a wedding weekend. We had got married in um, fall 2019. So I was still sort of on the come down of the right. wedding drama sure. the process involved with planning. And so from there, it was much easier to kind of figure out the story I wanted to tell, which what it turned into is this sort of went across between women's fiction and contemporary romance. And um, yeah, and it, it's a love story. It was, it was like built in a factory for a beach read. It was like, exactly. I know you didn't intend it that, but I was like, it was funny because I when, when I was sent the information on it without knowing, I just thought, wow, this sure looks like a beach read to me. And they just were like, yes. Oh, we yes. want you to know that if you go to the beach with a book in your bag, this is the one you need in it. This and, is it. The covers yeah. the beach. There's a lighthouse, yeah. the sun setting. And I, I love beach reads. And at work, our taste skews a little bit more towards action and horror and grounded sci-fi. And so I think what really helped me be able to keep writing the book was that it was so different from what I yeah. did during the day that it was this different hat I could wear. And it always stayed really fun because it feels right. like my writing definitely feels like a hobby and how much I enjoy it and how much escape it feels. It's, it's been amazing to have it become this second career that I take very seriously. It's a so, privilege to do. So, it's so fun to work on. That's good. And listen, here's the thing. The, the key, I think, to writing is that you have fun. I always tell my clients, and it's hard because a lot of them are adults. And they've been taught to like just work and like, you know, do the hard stuff and fix the radiator and cook the dinner, even though you don't want like all this, like that's like the domestic business of life. But it's like writing, you know, it's working when you're enjoying yourself. Like that is the formula. And I think it's a little hard for your, I know you don't feel young, but in the writing world, you're still on the younger side. I'll just say Uh, (laughs) and you're still close enough to your youth, your real youth, where you were just trying to have fun where it was like, that was the goal. I do think it's like, that's the, that's the way, you know, even though you will struggle, you can't find the middle and all that kind of crap, but yeah, should be that when you, when it clicks, it's exciting. It's fun. And I like, don't lose it. Like that's what makes this the best job in the world. If you like doing it. No, that's such a, it's so always so important to hear. And I'm, I'm working on my second book now. And yesterday I was this past weekend and we're talking on a Monday, the past weekend I was, I was doing 
I'm in my edits. And it was the sort of weekend where I locked the door and didn't talk to anybody. I didn't go outside because <laughs> I had this deadline and I have to finish it. And I remember thinking so many times, like, God, it would be so much easier to not write a book. Like nobody is forcing me to write this book. And yet it's so much fun when you're in it and when you have those moments that click. And it's, again, it's that real appreciation that I'm able to do this. Like I'm not, you know, I'm at a moment in time where I don't have a lot of other responsibilities. I don't have any kids. I, you know, my parents are healthy. And so it's really, t it's hard because of course, you know, you get invited to like a Kentucky Derby party and you're like, well, <laughs> I can't go because <laughs> I'm choosing for this book that may or may not exist that someone might read and someone might hate, but someone might love. And that's like what sort of makes it all worth it. You know what though? Kentucky Derby parties are fun and we need a certain amount of those in our life. Yeah. But there is something that you gain when you're working alone, but not alone. When yeah. you're the store, when the characters are whatever, however you write. They're with you. It's yeah. It's so gratifying. And there's such a sense of, I don't want to say achievement, but just deep satisfaction when you're like, that's it. That's it. Oh. That reads the way I want a chapter to read. I think it's as good as it gets, quite frankly. You yeah, know? I totally agree. And that's when I, my, family makes fun of me because I live by this silly motto I saw on an Instagram meme once that was like self-care is self-discipline and I use that only because especially for writing like you, I love writing a book because it's so much fun but it it really is just hours and see like it's yes. the Saturdays of choosing to write and because of the way I scheduled this sort of novel career I only can write on weekends because I have a full-time job and so it's whether or not you, whether you want to write or not, whether the words are coming, like you have no choice because the next day you have to go to work and you can't think about it again for six more days. So you better get the words in or, or at least think about the words, go for the walk, you know, have the notepad open all the time, play music that reminds you of the book, all of the things, but being, you only have this sort of set time. Yeah. There's really that discipline that comes. And I do feel very proud of myself for being able to kind of always prioritize my writing days. You should. As long as I can. You should. And what, what what's clear is that I'm writing a book about this very challenge that writers have around procrastination. But what it sounds like is you, and you probably have done this all intuitively, so I don't want to mess up by think, talking too much about it. But there is a shift we have to make from our kind of domestic frame of mind where we're interacting with the world to the writing frame of mind where we're not interacting with anything but the imagination. And totally. you can't be scared of that. You have to be willing to make the transition and not feel like a failure if nothing's coming right away. And it sounds like okay. even though it's not always easy, you have accepted that part of the job and don't let it freak you out. Yeah, that that's so, it's so true. And I think too, it's, it's, I'm very lucky to be surrounded by such kind friends and family who are- No, 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 you're not lucky. You're not lucky. They're there because of who exactly. you are, because you're a yes, nice person right. and you choose good people. <laughs> and the good people want to hang. If you were a pain in the ass, they wouldn't want to hang around with you. That is very so, No, fair. you're not lucky. You're just a good person. I surround myself with good people. And yeah. then it, this is the moments when you can look back and like you have the friends who make allowances if you're missing out on. Like right. I always used to be the person that I never left early. I was there all the time. And that was sort of a, a not a crisis, but definitely a realization I had earlier this year where my workload was just getting a little out of control yeah. and I missed a few birthday parties and I remember just feeling grateful that I had sort of built people who were never going to hold it against me and in those relationships everybody in my life right now is so proud of the book so proud of like the That's future nice. book career and they're they're very much team like we'll be here when you're ready to like resurface and it just makes like it makes you feel really just fortunate 
to be surrounded. Absolutely. So that's it. The discipline and then also the network of people being like, all right, Becky, we got your back. Like uh, we'll handle Mother's Day presents this year. Like you write your book. <laughs> Thank that you. That is <laughs> awesome. Well, those are good sisters. I assume you're talking about. Yes. Oh, the sisters are the best. Yes. So, so look at picture. Can you picture in your mind the day when you wake up on a Tuesday, you don't go into that office. You just go across the, across the hall to the little office you've got with your computer because that's all you're doing. Could you do it? Could you not? Would you miss being in an office with other people or would you be fine with just me and my characters and my agent and my husband? And uh, <laughs> I would miss it. I think, and it's so funny, oh. people always ask me and I really want to do both for as long as humanly possible because I think writing has made me a stronger development exec and working as a development exec has made me a stronger writer. I love right. having my finger on the pulse of like what's being sold and who is who. Like, and I love... No, I love getting to meet with writers for work and then getting to meet with other authors as sort of these like faux colleagues in the business. And yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't think I could give up either. Oh. I want them all. I'm very Oh, interesting. All right. I all know. Right. It's wow. so interesting, right? All right. Uh, Maybe one day. I allow I don't, listen, the opportunity to change my mind. <laughs> you may have, I don't know. You, you may have children. You may not. I don't know. It's up to you. Exactly. That's that does. When I have they, my octuplets, I might have to quit one of the jobs. Oh, that's so right. I forgot you guys. Yeah, that that gums up the works. I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think <laughs> but that far ahead. They're great. I love them. But yeesh, good Lord, they take some yeah. time. Um, great. Well, Becky, you're a delight. I'm so happy oh, for you, you that you've. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, you know what? I'm glad to see the face of the production side is so friendly. And such as a bright light and not the, you know, sometimes when I think of that end of the entertainment, know, industry, it's not right. my favorite part because I'm just purely content, you know, and uh, <laughs> they can be the problem. But look at you. You're great. I know. Thank you. That's so sweet. That's right. And so Hismet, it's out where all fine books are sold. My mother, you got, oh, my mother, I think she's got to read this book because all the people who blurbed it are all the people I've interviewed and all the people she loved reading. I was like, oh, that one and that one and that one. And all so another, are these friends of yours or just people you've met through Some the, are. I, some. I've met some through the public. I mean, I'm, I am the kind of person who, like, if you post on Instagram, I'm responding to your story as if we are best friends and oh. you posted just to me. Like, I just love connections and friendship. And so in the best part about selling the book and being on this debut roller coaster. Now you're hearing from them. So many authors. I know. And I love them. And I'll, I, I love getting the messages from people and, and all of it. But I'm very grateful to say that most of the authors who blurbed Kismet have become like close friends That's now. And it's just great. a dream. And That's I like look great. at my phone and I'm like, these are authors and they're texting me. Like how the hell did I get here? Pinching myself. It's welcome amazing. to the, welcome to the frantic, obsessive <laughs> self-flagellating yes, club that you're now a part. I love it. <laughs> All right. This is great. I'm not quite done with you though. Uh, yes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the writing you've done. It's not been a ton so far, but it's enough. And if it's taught you anything just about yourself and life, if it's taught you anything, it's taught you what? Ooh, I, I think patience with myself and with others and and even with your characters, when you put them through the ringer and patience, and then also sort of strength of what your characters can hold and also what we can do. Like, it's just, I'm so mind blown by the fact that I wrote a book and have gone through this process. And so I think it's sort of, yeah, like having patience with myself, trusting that I have the strength to do these crazy dreams, but also not planning too far ahead, which is funny as someone who outlines her books religiously. Um, but I think 
as something I'm always teaching my characters is not to get too stressed out by the details and to let destiny sort of take the way, which is really a lesson for myself often of, of that there's an expression that a former boss always used to say too of, of jump and the net will appear. And that's oh. the exact way, mess, the sort of thing I live my life by now too, because before COVID, I never would have thought I would have written a book. And now three, almost a little, over three years later, it's it's a whole new life and it's just crazy. Um, but I couldn't have planned. So I, that was like five answers to your question. But- no, I like it. A yeah. lot, of, lot of pearls in there. A lot of pearls in there. Listen, just keep jumping. Do, yeah, every writer learns the appear. net. You don't. You're not in charge of the net. Don't be yeah. in charge of the net. It won't be there if you think you are. You don't want to be in charge of it. <laughs> no, you don't. You really don't. You really don't. This is good stuff. Thank you, Becky. This was awesome. awesome. Thank you, Bill. It was so nice to meet you. Jump, and the net will appear. You like? Don't you like that? I think I've heard it before. I like it. I like it. I'll tell you. It's how you live your life, I think. And she's an outliner. <laughs> and she lives her life that way, right? And so, why not? Uh, listen, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Yes, I do. Thank you, my friend. I want to thank all of you for listening. And so, listen, go find something you love to do. Go find something you love to do and just jump the net, people. The net is love. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.